I, so I've talked about being being a feeler perceiver in a world of thinker judgers. Um, I, I think it'd be fun today to tell you about three characters, people I've known, and uh, you know one of them, um, and they're not all heroes. Oh. But what I can tell you is without them, I wouldn't be where I am today on this whole uh, feeler perceiver thing. So, sure. Yeah. So where, whether they wanted to or not, or whether they know me or not, or give a shit or not, they helped me clarify this for myself. Mm, um, good. And uh, I, I think this is actually a good exercise. Like if you ask, you know, who are who are three people who for better or for worse help you clarify who you are or something major about you, who would they be? And maybe it'd be five people, or maybe two, or maybe it'd be seven. I don't know. But three's a good number, so. Three's company. So, yeah. Three's, uh, yeah, three's company. By the way, I think the original saying was two's company, three's a crowd. And then there was a TV sitcom called Three's Company, and now everyone got confused. But anyway, the first one's not going to surprise you. Say it, say it, say it. I don't have anything to say. I don't understand it at all. Look, I, cool. I, I guess two's company, three's a crowd. Three's a party yeah. in my in my book. Uh, three plus yeah. is a party. Uh, yeah, maybe it's maybe that's an introvert extrovert thing. So yeah, I guess so. I don't know. One one is too few for me. One yeah. one is not enough. One is suffering. <laughs> You mean if it's just you by yourself? If yeah. it's if it's just yeah. me, I suffer. So but here we not, go. So the not through self-flagellation or anything. It's just my temperament. There you go. You're yeah. You need you need the uh, energy of other people. So the first one of the three is not going to surprise you. Um, and they don't know me from Adam. Uh, this is Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Um, but very specifically, there's some concepts he talks about in Anti-Fragile in the book Anti-Fragile. You know, so yesterday we talked about my anti-fragile vacation, and this is certainly related to that. Um, and it's just a set of core concepts that he pounds into you when you go and you read anti-fragile. Um, and here they are, or at least this is just off the top of my head. You have to have redundancy mm-hmm. in everything you do. You know, back up your hard drive, keep cash in the bank, bring extra socks and underwear. You know, have one or two volleyball friends on speed dial in case one of your teammates can't show up. You know, have a have a side gig. For instance. <laughs> yeah, just have redundancy. Um, also, keep your options open. Always have options, more options. Keep them open. Um, um, always be supremely cautious of over-optimizing your plans like I, like I did with my New Zealand trip, as an mm-hmm. example. Um, also the idea that beyond a certain point, living things in the world evolve by way of options, not by way of goals, you know, so bi- biological systems are not Ooh. like, Hey, we need to achieve a certain design in so many generations. No, 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 no. They're like mm. over the next, you know, the next generation or two generations or five or 10 generations, we have to be able to adapt and move in any direction. Cause we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Um, and that's how, that's how biology works. By the way, a little nugget for you. I don't know if I've ever told anyone this. Um, all of all of these principles that I just listed off are actually touched on very subtly in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, first six verses. And you don't have to go look it up. Don't, you know, not right, not right now. When you, when you go later, go look it up. Ecclesiastes okay. 11, one through six. 3,000 years ago, this stuff was talked about in hindsight with, it's fairly clear. Wow. Um, but yeah, but being able to see that and see that, yeah, that's that's 
very strategically important for me. Um, it took me reading Nassim Taleb to do that. So there you go. So that's persona numero uno. Um, yeah. The next person you know. Oh. It's our beloved friend, Nancy Schlesinger. Ah, uh, Nancy. Who does not, who the does not love Nancy? The calm within the storm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, rash, the, the sea of rationality. <laughs> Oh yes. Um, so I've I've been uh, talking to Nancy every Tuesday morning at ten fifteen for uh, what eleven years, something like that. Um, you know, we take off at Christmas and other holidays, and that and, and that's about it. She she was my guiding force through all the chaos of becoming president of Perry's company. You know, with all the ups and downs, and the hirings and the firings, and resolving conflicts and. Setting objectives for myself and for other people and all that. Mm. And, and there a, a couple things she helped me understand. And then I had to develop my own version of it because I'm a different thinker than she is. Sure. And that's okay. So first off, in, in her hiring profile, because Nancy hires and recruits for a living. That's her primary thing with most people. Um, so she differentiates between options people and procedures people. Oh, and this sure. is really, really, really important to know when you're hiring someone who's going to be in a very procedural job or in a very, you know, wing it kind of job. So procedures people are like, there's a right sequence and a right way to do this. And options people are like, hey, let's be creative. Mm-hmm. Right? Take oh, yeah. a wild guess which one you are and which one your dad is. Um and uh, I, 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 I just love the occasional apoplectic rage that I, you, and my father go through when you, when, you, when you ever have to like put someone through constraints. Even it's just like yes. we're on a schedule, people. He's like, stop it! No, no. Like, yeah, I relate like to that, and I, and I relate to needing to be on a schedule and having an options person who will not submit to a schedule and being very oh, angry at that. But yeah. yeah. I've been on I've been yeah, on both it's sides. It's an of art. So w- my realization in recent years is, um, and I think Myers Briggs captures this. There are so th- so the options procedures thing. That's one thing. There are let's get to a specific goal, people, the J's, and then there are hey, let's keep our options open and go where it leads, people. And that became clear yeah. in my discussions with Nancy and observing people and myself over time. So there's that. Now, a, a much bigger, more fundamental Nancy concept, and this will not surprise you, is her idea of objectives. Okay. And so this is very, very, very important for Nancy when she's working with business people because no matter no matter what kind of consultation she's in, um, she, she always starts with the question, okay, what is it you want to achieve? Hmm. Like any and every conversation she has ever had at any point in the last, 10, 15, 20 years with anyone ever always starts with that. Wow. Um, and you know, so the, the answer could be quantitative numerical stuff for some people, for other people, it could be some kind of qualitative thing or experience they want. She just wants that to be crystal clear in your head if she's going to work with you. Right. So Nancy, Nancy's a thinker judger. Yeah. She's a TJ. And, and so that's natural for, you know, it's natural for someone like her who's going to want to like drill down and get people to pinpoint clarity about what they want to accomplish. But um, there's something else she understands um, when she asks a person about what their objectives are. And there's always a second follow-up question that she always asks. You may not know this, but it's true. A second follow-up question she's, she asks surrounding people's objectives. She says, okay, 
So that's the objective or that's what you want to achieve. Tell me what is important about that to you? And it's a very open-ended mm. question. Okay. But, but what, she, what she's getting at is, so I want to accomplish this thing or that thing, but I have conditions. And I may not even be aware of what those conditions are, but there are things I will and will not tolerate yeah. while I'm trying to get this thing accomplished. And there are things I value, values I have that I am not going to violate. And so she's trying to draw that out of you with that question. And so, um, so I, I eventually figured out, or at least to put it in my own Brian language, um, even if you're an options person like me or you and not a hard goals person, there's always a place for objectives and certainly being clear about what it is you want. Um, and the way I put it is objectives are the high definition, three-dimensional technicolor motion picture of how you want things to be. Hmm. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. And that definition, for lack of a better word, that works for me. You know, and it's kind of a kinder, gentler, multifaceted understanding of what it means to have objectives. And um, by the way, don't, don't get me wrong. Nancy, and Nancy is a perfect illustration of this. I talk about thinker judgers. I don't hate thinker judgers. TJ people, some of them are my best friends because their energy is so different from mine and they always bring a very different angle to questions and discussions all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Nancy's great because she's not a feeler. She's a thinker. She's not, you know, open-ended, hey, let's go. She's she's very goal-driven and so on. But she's also female and has natural female sensibility and decades and decades of working with different kinds of people Sure. You know, helping put square pegs into the right square holes and, you know, and she's great at solving personal conflicts and everything else. So, so she's beloved from all, I will, it's a strong possibility that at her funeral, I will hop on a plane and fly over the ocean and go attend it. If yeah. people like me are welcome. Yeah. If, if you get the invitation or the, the yeah. heads up. If I get the head, Exactly. So, so that's Nancy. So here's the third person. Hmm. I have never mentioned this person before. I don't think I've mentioned this person's name to anyone at any point in the last 20 years ever. Wow. Um, but it was a professor of mine at Master Seminary. And he was not my favorite professor. I had one class with him and maybe two conversations with him ever. Um, your dad met him. Grandma Betty met him. She, she liked him. But anyway... Ooh. This was, this was Dr. Robert Thomas, Master's Seminary. Um, he was the oldest professor there when I was there in the late 90s. He died in 2017. And his classes were brutal. He, he taught advanced Greek. He taught new, a class called New Testament Introduction, which you always took your very last semester of seminary, <laughs> which may sound strange to you, but it's that's, true. That's um, very... Why? 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 <laughs> Wait, be, why would you take? <laughs> what the hell? Be, um, it be, it was actually an extremely highly technical drinking from a fire hose class on all of the most technical stuff involving um what man what uh, families of Greek manuscripts the New Testament was. New Testament Greek texts were composed from. 
kind of stuff. Oh, oh wow. And it was very technical and a whole lot of history and technical stuff. And At so the they just say they end? just save it because it's so just deep in the weeds stuff. So they just save it for the end. And it just got the name New Testament Introduction, although it was yeah, it was a technical deep dive into stuff. And it it killed all kinds of guys straight A's just left and right oh of course yeah they would have graduated with a 4-0 if it hadn't been for dr thomas's new testament introduction class so they just saved the hardest course for those who had so much skin in the game that they could just have to sweat through it instead of just dropping out like fuck this course hands down my hardest semester of all my years in seminary maybe of all my schooling ever um so Dr. Thomas was a guy who was all about hard, hard objectivity, hard academic scrutiny when you read and study your New Testament. And everything he did was this super rigorous, systematic, evidence-only, rationalist, analytical kind of thing if you're going to read and interpret Greek manuscripts and Greek texts, you know, and pounding every last goddamn bit of personal subjectivity out of your reading and understanding of the Bible. You know, so how you feel about it, whatever your intuitive perceptions are when you read this passage, doesn't matter, irrelevant. What does the text say? What have previous scholars said? What does the preponderance of evidence indicate about what wow. this text means? That was Sounds how Dr. Thomas approached everything in the New absolutely Testament. Absolutely litigious and and <laughs> frankly just 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 terrible. Just sounds <laughs> terrible uh for someone like you yes yeah um and i didn't realize it but for someone like me also yes um and i'll give you two examples of some specific things he believed to be true about the new testament that signaled to me this is a guy who i think is missing part of his brain oh Um, god the the first one he was he believed in something called ipsissima verba which is the idea among scholars in air quotes that whenever the gospels quote Jesus, they are always quoting him verbatim. And the first time I heard that like, would be very impressive given that they were <laughs> written like what? 30, 40 years after they were, well, <laughs> the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit caused them to remember everything he said in exact verbatim detail. That's wow. the idea. That's and the, when, when, when I impressive. heard, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's a bunch. And mind you, this is me, Christian about to graduate from seminary, Brian, ready to go out into ministry. I was like, yeah, that's a bunch of horse shit. Hmm. Cause for example, I knew from my reading of the book of John, the gospel of John, that when John quotes Jesus and he quotes Jesus at great length, Jesus sounds the way John writes. Yeah. <laughs> because John wrote it. <laughs> right. Um, but of course, Dr. Thomas would reject my analysis of that because I could not demonstrate it objectively. So whatever. Anyway, uh-huh. um, the yeah. other, the other, the other thing I said that was a weird belief was he believed that the apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. People don't know who wrote the letter to the Hebrews in the new Testament. They, they don't oh, know. Okay. Um, it's, it's a big mystery and it's kind of a joke among evangelicals. It's like, well, my dad died last week. Oh, well now he knows who wrote Hebrews. <laughs> that's such that an of, insular joke. That's a, very, yeah, that's, that's great. Actually. It is very, it, 
it is very insular. Well, he believed that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews because he claimed, well, it's just the preponderance of historical evidence. Um, for me, I'd spent years and years and years reading the letters of Paul. And then when I would go and read the book of Hebrews, I'd be like, well, this is so screaming obvious that this does not read or sound or feel anything like the Apostle Paul. Yeah. And I'm like, how far up your ass does your head have to be in order to miss that? <laughs> By the way, I love being able to swear about Man. this now. That's, um, yeah, I'll bet. And, and you can't prove that, you know, um, that, that the writing in Hebrews is different from the writing in the Apostle Paul. You can't prove that. But you would, you would be able to pick up on this the exact same way that you would look at a piece of handwriting, for example, and be like, no, that is not my mom's handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, the exact same thing. That just, that just demonstrates that you're using the wrong <laughs> definition of proof. You know, this is or or evidence or demonstrate. Yes, evidence or demonstration. It's like no, there's there's a great deal of like there's a great deal of value in intuitively being able to demonstrate. It's like no, that doesn't sound like Paul. I've been reading exactly. Paul for years. You know, like that. Yeah, that doesn't sound like my dad. This is not. You're not Paul. my dad. Right. It's like <laughs> right. It's like yeah. You can get. This is how we communicate. We have a very in depth. Under, if you get it, whatever. Fuck yeah. it. What is up yeah. with this guy? Well, I don't know. I was, I was like, I bet this guy literally can't tell when he's looking at his own wife's handwriting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he must be missing whatever part of the brain you would have to have in order to clearly see and perceive this. Mm. And you know, and as a seminary student about to graduate from seminary, my very last semester, this woke me up with alarm bells, like wow, this kind of thing actually exists in our fundamentalist evangelical Christian world. People that are that unable to have a subjective human experience when they read their Bibles. Jeez, no kidding. And I'm like, Good damn, I've, I process things completely differently from people around me. Is there something really wrong with me or really right with me? But that was a wake-up call, better part of 25 years ago. And it still sticks with me today, and it shapes how I think. So there you go. Three wow. interesting characters. So you've you've just introduced three very interesting TJ people. Sure. Yeah. I, I think I yeah. think two of I th whom I'm like really valuable. Really this like really those valuable. guys. They're awesome. They bring I don't think like them, but really valuable. No, no. No, but it's I, I guess the value is is I think I think Nancy's an interesting uh example because she is so subtle and and um nuanced in her approach for bringing mm -hmm. about her tj ways you know I'll, she she, she kind knows of, how to work with wildly different kinds of people yeah she like beckons and 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 welcomes you into the spreadsheet whereas <laughs> whereas like yes. nasim nicholas taleb is like anyone who doesn't use the spreadsheet is a asshole and is stupid and yeah, here's he's, an entire he's there at the entrance with a sledgehammer <laughs> yeah it's like yeah and it's for your kneecaps if you don't bow low enough it's like what are you exactly. doing like, what's exactly what's going on and then, well and then mr preponderance of the evidence it's like okay well really yeah. sorry about that bucko that sounds awful that sounds indistinguishable from my own personal hell yeah 
Yeah, I think so. Well, and that's and those those personality types unfortunately are very very common in seminaries. Um, my best friend in seminary was a guy named Joe Benishon, and I hung out with him all the time. But he was very much like Doctor Thomas. In fact, he took several of Doctor Thomas's classes, got A's in all of them. Doctor Thomas loved him, and just to torture Joe, I used to I'd go to dinner with him and his wife. And I and I and I just pop up in the middle of the conversation and ask questions like, "So, Christy, what color is the is the number three? And Christy would pause. Christy was a very touchy feely person, and she'd pause uh. a while and she'd say, three is definitely burgundy." And I'd be like, "No, no, 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 no. Three is light blue. Four is green, and seven is burgundy." She'd be like, "No, three is burgundy." And Joe would be sitting there like, "What? What? What are you talking about?" And we'd do that just to torture Joe. It was so oh, much fun. Oh, Joe. You, you know, torturing torturing in a, a TJ with synesthesia was not exactly yes. where I thought you were going to go, but I can <laughs> I can certainly accept, relate, and um, tuck that away for next time I run into a TJ who was partnered with an FP. I like that. Torturing a TJ with synesthesia. Well, well, um, <laughs> Kyler, I, I look forward to the next installment. And I think the next conversation we're going to have is going to be about someone I had to fire once. And it was Ugh. a long ordeal. Gross. But yeah, gross. But I'm still looking forward to it, though. Of course. <laughs> cool. We'll see you next time. <laughs>